Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. They're live, local, and talking about the stories that matter to you. Share your opinions with Mark and Melinda at 512-836-0590. Now, here are Mark and Melinda. 403 Tigers here producing. Thank you for joining us. If you're just touching base, among the stories we're discussing, we just introduced a couple of stories from the presidential campaign The New York Times says that we're all going to be hearing President Biden saying a lot to grocery stores, telling them to start cutting their prices, stop gouging consumers on prices we're all paying at the grocery store. We also talked about Nikki Haley's announcement that she's staying in the primary race through the March primaries, Super Tuesday. She's in it for the long haul. Kyle wants to weigh in. On Mark and Melinda. Good afternoon, Kyle. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Fine, Kyle. Welcome. Um, yeah, I'm your local 24 year old listener, and uh, I'm, I'm just going a little off topic here. I've just been fed up because I was stuck with dealing with the before even Trump started running. Trump's in this lawsuit. Trump all this. He did this to a girl and all that, and I'm just sick of hearing it. But how when we have proof? on this president and how delusional he is. Why doesn't anybody ever bring that up in the discussion? It's always Trump. It's always Trump. It's always Trump. But never does anyone my age and all that care to listen to about the topics going on with Biden. I'm just fed up with it. Just want to hear y'all's opinion. But I'm, you know, I'm a little younger, but everybody bashed Trump and all my friends, all my age group. But nobody cares now with what Biden has done and all this, even with the grocery prices y'all are talking about. I worked at HB for a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not HB charging the prices. It's how hard it is. We, we were out of items for months and months and months. They can't get it. They can't get it. They can't get it. The diesel. Well, now the 18 wheel is exactly like one of the other callers said. The diesel costs a lot. So, therefore, we can't get certain products from certain places and i I don't know i'm just it's crazy to me how nobody talks about what biden is doing but it's always all what trump is doing Uh, that's interesting to me kyle with with your age group of friends they talk about trump's legal problems or when you when you say talk about what biden's doing are you referring to mostly how how the economy has gone under his watch how foreign affairs or or more so about the um, was he involved with his son in some way to... I'm just saying the incognizance, or whatever that word is, sorry. The, the mental capabilities. Him, like not being able to speak and shaking the same guy's hand twice and forgets where to go, can't even f- figure out where to go in the White House. It's stuff like that. But then, oh, this girl came out to Trump and he did this to her back in like nine, whatever that year was. And it, it's just crazy to me. And it's like, I never really gone into politics and until I started listening to y'all show and all this, and it, it, it just blows my mind. Yeah, well, you're not alone, and, and it's not just your age group. Uh, it, it spans across all ages. <laughs> We're trying to, to figure this out, and it's been that way since Trump first announced he was ever running 
for for presidency. It's been an all out. What can we say about him campaign? Yeah. Um, and whether it's unfair or not, he placed himself in that in that position. But it is interesting and, and what, when what's the, age, what's the age difference on him? Like two or three years between Trump and Biden, and it's like that. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone's like, well, Trump's the same age, but Trump isn't speaking how Biden is and all this. And I honestly, I think, I think it's like a bandwagon thing. Oh, let's, let's jump on the hate Trump train and all this. And honestly, I I, I told y'all this last time I called, I've never liked him either. But then when I started realizing why have a politician in when we can have a businessman in that will benefit our our country. Kyle, what do Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's all right. Go ahead with that thought. I, I was just going to say, I mean, it's a different look on it. And all he did was benefit us. And now we got this guy who's delusional saying we don't have a border crisis. Oh, now we do have a border crisis. It, it, it's just it, it's insane. What, what do you what do your opinion. what do your friends say, Kyle, when when you point out to them these uh, cognitive challenges for Biden? How do they respond? Oh, trust me, I don't even get to say it's all oh, here he goes. And I'm like, well, you aren't paying attention. <laughs> There he goes again with the politics. I'm like, dude, y'all don't understand. Like, I'm, I'm leasing a car, all this, interest rates, all this. It, it sucks. Like, you can't even go get an apartment nowadays because of the cost of living and all these Californians moving into Texas and all this. And it's, it, it, I don't know. Like, he hasn't done anything, in my opinion, to help in any ways or try to stop this border crisis. And then anytime I talk about it with my younger gen, with my, my age group, there he goes again. Right. So it sounds like to me they just don't want to discuss politics. It doesn't really have an impact. And I've, I've been there. I was 20-something at one time and didn't <laughs> think that politics really mattered. Yes. Uh, Kyle sounds like he's an individual that has got a job. He's seen what's happening with his money or not happening with his money uh, and how everything that the political people, regardless of what side they represent, have an impact on every single person in this nation. Yes. Kyle, thank you. Have a great afternoon and a good weekend. Here are the numbers. You can join us with your thoughts. 512-836-0590. Get in here and join the conversation. Melinda and I also would like to get your thoughts on the announcement by the Biden administration this afternoon that the military strikes against the Iranian proxies have started. Uh, these are strikes on targets in Syria and Iraq that the U.S. Air Force started. It's Friday night in those locations. Uh, yes, and I'm seeing a statement from the U.S. Central Command, just to kind of summarize it. It uh, says that they struck more than 85 targets, including command control operations, intelligence centers, rockets, missiles, drone storage of militia groups, and their IRGC sponsors. So one of the questions is, do you think this will send the message to Iran to stop the attacks by the proxies against U.S. forces? 512-836-0590. Some are already saying that the delay in launching these strikes gave Iran's proxies plenty of time to move key personnel and munitions out of what they had to anticipate would be U.S. targets in Iraq and Syria. Yeah, I, it, I am going to wait to see if we can deem this successful. There was a whole week where they could move personnel, they could move 
equipment. And I don't know enough about all of this to know, were these the obvious targets where they would know, oh, they're going to strike, they're most likely hit here, let's let's get to moving, or were these targets that were uh, not obvious and we were actually able to do some damage here? Well, I would think Tehran's mullahs know exactly what they have in terms of the proxy locations, and they're probably anticipating where the U.S. would hit. They have to be. I mean, none of this stuff is really a secret. Yeah, Uh, Michael Waltz is a Republican congressman from Florida. Earlier today, he was saying some of these strikes have to occur inside of Iran if it's really going to send the correct message to the mullahs in Tehran. Under the Trump administration, uh, their oil exports were virtually zero, just a few hundred thousand barrels per day. Now it's several million. Their foreign currency reserves under Trump were down to $4 billion. Now it's over $70 billion. So at the end of the day, all roads go back to Tehran. You've got to go to the root of the disease, and that's the money. All right, so he's talking about money not military strikes inside of Iran. He's talking about going back to Trump's policy, which is cutting off their oil exports as much as possible. But I think it does come down to the money. They weren't attempting any strikes on any of our personnel when they were being hounded with not having the money to do so. The flow of money keeps coming in now. They have that ability to do it, and they're not backing down. And Trump is also making the argument that toward the end of his time in the White House, the Iranian economy was in terrible shape. And he believed they were ready to make a deal, a real true deal, relief for their economy in exchange for a meaningful, verifiable agreement that they would not get nuclear weapons. That's what he's maintaining. Uh, And I think there is evidence that their economy was in terrible shape by the last year of his White House. But now it's been restored. Flush with cash. Yes. China's been buying the oil. They've been working with Russia. Uh, They're doing very well now. 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. Call or text. It's 413 with Mark and Melinda. And now back to the Mark and Melinda show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. There is significant news today concerning the trial of Trump in Georgia. This is the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, who has filed a 176-page answer to allegations that she hired her lover and paid him more than she is paying other special prosecutors and that she may be engaging in prosecutorial misconduct in that case against former President Donald Trump. Well, she admitted in those papers, yes, she had a personal relationship uh, with the the special prosecutor that one of the special prosecutors that she appointed. I don't know what, if any, impact this will have on the Trump Georgia case. Now, I know it was one of the individuals uh, that was indicted alongside Trump that brought all of this to light uh, was the one that filed for dismissal based on this i don't know the law when it comes to this this was this was so inappropriate and i don't know 
if it has an impact on the Trump case. But at the very least, I think she should be stepping down. And I think that any case that she has been a part of for the last several years should be reviewed to see if there's been any kind of impropriety done on her part. I think it opens the door for more questions and more probing as to what she and Mr. Wade have been up to with regard to the prosecution of Donald Trump. Uh, There was not a hint of any of this until the attorney for one of the co-defendants brought these allegations to the public's attention and the attention of the court. So what I'm saying here is this may not be the entire story of what she and Wade and possibly the Biden administration and the Democrats in Congress have been up to in terms of prosecuting Donald Trump in the Georgia case. Well, and that all along when this first came out has been where the focus should have been and hopefully it doesn't get dropped because they're like, oh, well, she admitted the affair. We'll take care of that. And it to me is exactly why was Willis, why was Wade meeting with the January 6th committee? What did they get from them and how was it if it was used in this indictment? And the same with why were they meeting with Biden's White House counsel? That doesn't make any sense when the Biden administration has said, "We hands off on this. We have nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been uh, reported that documents show that the prosecutor, Fannie Willis, the DA, paid Mr. Wade $653,000 at $250 an hour, which is a higher hourly rate than the other two special prosecutors she hired. And there are also documents now from Mr. Wade's own personal bank accounts that indicate he was paying for trips involving himself and her, two different cruises and overseas trips. So people are saying we need to keep digging and looking and people will keep looking, Melinda, because there are two committees now in Georgia in their legislature that have been set up to keep looking into this, probing to see what's been going on. And the judge overseeing the Trump case says we're going to have a hearing in court in two weeks on this matter. That's why she filed this paperwork today. He told her, I want your written answer to these allegations, and then we're going to have a hearing in court to find out what else is going on here. Again, time will tell if this will have an impact on any of the cases that she's brought up indictments related to the Georgia election and um, fraud, fraudulent election claims there. So we'll see. I don't I don't know. I I'm just hoping that this isn't the end of the story. So many times you get the the most salacious part out. You know, ooh, she was having an affair. She hired her lover. And that's all that people really cling on to and not the the part about was there anything else that was improper, not just a relationship, but who they spoke with before they came out with an indictment against mm-hmm. Trump. You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512-836-0590. Call or text us. I'm singing, uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, President Biden has released a statement now. Okay. Um, he said this afternoon at his directions, U.S. military forces struck targets at facilities in Iraq and Syria that the IRGC and affiliated militia used to attack U.S. forces. Our response began today and it will continue at times and places of our choosing. 
We And again, ends it with, we do not seek conflict in the Middle East or anywhere else in the world. But let all those who might seek to do harm to us know this. If you harm an American, we will respond. Well, the U.S. has been hitting those Iranian proxies in Iraq and Syria for a few weeks now. And it has not stopped the attacks by the proxies from Syria, Iraq, or the Houthis, for that matter. Well, I'll take it even further. They were doing all of those attacks while we said, don't. And now we have three American soldiers that were killed because of that, because Mm -hmm. we just said, don't. You can weigh in on that one as well. 512-836-0590. Call or text to join the conversation. There are all kinds of questions now being asked in San Antonio of the Bear County District Attorney, a soft-on-crime DA. Uh, It's been revealed that here in Austin, something called the Wren Collective has had extensive communications with the district attorney down there on various cases, how to handle the cases, what to say in public, actions to take on cases. This Wren Collective is based here in Austin. Hundreds of back-and-forth emails and text messages have been revealed by KSAT News in San Antonio. They filed the paperwork to get their hands on this information, and it shows that shortly after he took office, this communication began, very frequent, extensive communication, and it's raising all kinds of serious questions in San Antonio. Why is he taking direction from this outside group of lawyers based in Austin? And one, why would you take direction based on politics and not based on the law, which is what you're in the office for? And I couldn't help but wonder, and, it, and it, this story in no way suggests this, but couldn't help but wonder. Here they are, uh, Wren Collective, based here in Austin. What kind of conversations are our DAs having with them? And are we basing any policies or any case outcomes because of what they have directed them to do? It should be investigated. That should be examined. What, if any, communication have they been having with Travis County DA Garza from the beginning of his time in office? KSAT reports that the Wren Collective is tied into a group in California and uh, they have multiple lawyers on their team. You can visit their website. I've looked at it. Uh, and uh, so the question comes up, have they been having the same kind of communication and impact on decisions made by the Travis County District Attorney? Well, and I'm curious for any of our lawyers out there, when you have, and they were discussing cases that haven't been settled, that were ongoing, that were pending, that were waiting for jury trial. They were discussing those cases with this outside group. Now, if that outside group has zero to do with the case, is it legal to, to discuss the issues or any of the details of a case like that? Well, KSAT spoke with uh, a former prosecutor in Bear County, and uh, that former prosecutor says this is wrong under the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure for any district attorney 
to have these kinds of communications with an outside group that's making suggestions or, so to speak, calling the shots on how to handle criminal cases. So does that mean that these DAs could be brought up on charges? Possibly. Uh, This former member, and this was a prosecutor in the two previous district attorney uh, regimes in Bear County, uh, says he's very troubled by what's been going on. This communication and apparent direction the Wren Collective is giving to the district attorney in San Antonio, who many people have been saying is very, very soft on crime. Oh, yeah. I'll back that up just from the stories, the few that we've seen and talked about. And again, what kind of impact does this have for any case that this DA's office has actually brought in front of a judge, in front of a jury? What kind of impact is it going to have? I would imagine you would have, if if it was improper, you have to take a look at all of the cases and if any of them also were directed by this outside group or any other outside group for that matter. Yeah, the former uh, prosecutor, Mr. Chacon in Bear County, says this all reads like a DA's office taking direction from an outside entity. It reads like an office who's taking the direction on cases and making decisions based only on political factors. And it's deeply concerning. Yeah. They're talking about policies, bail reform, high-profile cases. And uh, it's multiple cases. It's extensive communication, almost from the beginning of the first day in office for DA Joe Gonzalez. KSAT News in San Antonio says they've asked the Wren Collective in Austin multiple times to comment. No response. And the DA in San Antonio is not giving any response. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine they're not. They're they're hoping that this just goes away. Uh, Someone... Uh, a source tipped off KSAT about all of these communications, and good for KSAT News. For following up and doing yes. a story on it. They filed the paperwork. They got the release of all of these emails, all of these text messages, and they've been reporting on this very extensively, in depth. The police association in San Antonio says this stinks to high heaven. They're very upset about all of this going on. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You have the police that do the hard work of it. it maybe sometimes they have to hunt someone down, find someone uh, that they know committed this crime. They got to go get them. They have to arrest them. They spend the time, the legwork, and the hassle of doing that just to have a DA. If they're like us, you know, back out on the street mm-hmm. and committing more crimes, doing this all over. And if you found out that that was all at the direction of some criminal justice reform group that didn't want to see people go to jail and that's who they're taking, I'm thinking about the people that died here in Austin because of San Antonio and a criminal justice reform group that paid the bell, the very, very small bell amount for that individual to be out. Yeah, the guy that went on the murderous rampage in San Antonio and Austin. Mm-hmm. And, and this Wren Collective is not known to the public. Up until now, they've been completely out of sight, out of mind, as far as the public is concerned. And the public did not elect them to be making any of these decisions. They're not accountable to the voters. 
512-836-0590-428 now at News Radio KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. It is 431. Thank you so much for joining us. Tiger is here producing. The New York Post is now reporting this afternoon that New York City, under the leadership of Mayor Eric Adams, is launching a new program to help illegal immigrants in New York City. This is a prepaid credit card program that's being launched by New York City. Yeah, it's going to start with a group of 500 migrant families. I saw in one report that they're going to have, I think, $1,000 on each one, uh, totally and eventually $53 million. Um, they say the cards can only be used at the bodegas or the grocery stores, supermarkets, convenience stores, and... Here, here is the part where they're really going to hammer them. Migrants must sign an affidavit swearing that they're only going to spend it on food and baby supplies. On my honor, I promise. Yes. <laughs> um, what could possibly go wrong? Yes. Now, they're going to start handing these out to the illegal immigrants staying at the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City. And uh, families will get varying amounts on their cards, up to a maximum of $1,000 a month. And they say if all goes well, they will expand this to many more illegal immigrants in New York City. Uh, A spokesman for the mayor says this will provide families with the ability to buy fresh food that is culturally relevant for their needs as well as baby supplies of their choosing. As far as the food part of it, I thought that was being provided and then wasted because they weren't eating it. So will this take the place of them wasting money on food that's not being eaten, or will they continue the food program as well, and now you can go, you can have both. You can have your choice, I guess. Well, New York City says our hope is it will cut down on the need to feed them each day. They're going to go out and shop for what they like to eat, and we're going to save the taxpayers money because we'll be able to cut back on the meals we're now providing for them. So does every room at the hotel that they're staying in have their own kitchenette? (laughs) I doubt it. Not at the Roosevelt Hotel in Manhattan. Well, that doesn't make much sense to No, me. no, it doesn't. But they, they have to say something to try to head off the critics uh, who, who will be out there in force when they hear about this program. Uh, you can weigh in with your thoughts at 512-836-0590. Call or text. Uh, it says that the cards will be replenished with money every 28 days. And again, they, they'll get up to $1,000 a month on these prepaid credit cards. I thought New York said they were closed. They couldn't take any more. This does just the opposite. Sure it does. Uh, If you have word out there that if you're a family, you can go to New York and they're going to be giving you um, maybe up to $1,000 a month that's replenished every 28 days, they're going to be signing up for those buses or flights in Texas or wherever. Take me to New York. They're giving me money and a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Mayor Adams is not complaining as much publicly lately about how much money it's costing them and the need for more money. Perhaps 
he has started receiving more aid from the federal government. I was going to say, that would be my guess. He's getting some money from the feds. They're telling him, shh. <laughs> yes, the money's on the way. Shut your trap. Right. Here it comes. 512-836-0590. Randall is with us at 435 on KLBJ. Hi, Randall. Good. How are you today? Hey, uh, speaking of things being on their way, uh, the Internet is abuzz with words that our uh, B-1 bombers are on the way to the Middle East. I'm just wondering why we pay money for stealth, stealth technology if we're just going to, you know, tell Advertise. our what we're going to do. Um, well, I think that they already did their deed, and then they said we, we sent B-1 bombers. Right, but this is World War Three kind of uh, chicanery, and, I mean... It's 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 not a freaking game. So uh, I'm just I'm over it. Well, uh, the Pentagon is saying, Randall, they're not finished. So I, I think your question is a valid one. Um, no, uh, no, the, it's not a question. It's we're already at the precipice of collapse financially. You're going to send oil up to where we're paying eight, ten dollars a gallon. What do you think that's going to do to your average family in America? What what do you prefer that the uh, president do in this circumstance? Oh, absolutely stop uh <laughs> absolutely stop giving the EV money like going to electric as well as we do have to get off fossil fuels so make American fuel corn ethanol psh, that sucks. You can make 10 times the fuel out of sweet sorghum. It's all just hooch. The first cars, the Model T, the uh, Henry Henry Ford's all his first vehicles were all flex fuel. So why aren't we supporting American farmers who make hooch, baby? Moonshine. All right. Thank you, Randall. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. That just reminds me of the commercials I've been seeing for the whole the new moonshine. I don't know if it's a reality show or what. They're like, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down making the best moonshot ever. <laughs> <laughs> also today, New York City police believe that some of those Venezuelan illegal aliens who attacked the police officers in New York a few days ago are now on a bus headed to California. Uh, we've been talking with you for the last couple of days about how a judge released them. They put up nothing to get out on bail, and New York police believe they are gone. They're on a bus headed to California. Gee, who could have seen that happening? Uh, you've got people here that are illegally, didn't follow the law there, uh, attacked cops, didn't follow the law there, were told, eh, yeah, you can go. We're, here's a court date. Just show up for that. They have no ties. They have no money that they will be losing if they don't show up of course they got on the first thing they could find that would get them out of new york joe cardinale is a retired nypd police lieutenant he was asked today do you think that the local district attorney alvin bragg will seek to have the bus stopped and have the illegal immigrants brought back to new york city for prosecution, and here's what he had to say. Absolutely not, not with this DA. The cops will do their job, the judges won't do their job, and this DA is the nexus for all that's going on in Manhattan right now. 
How many times are we going to watch this as cops are getting beat up? This isn't the first time. And Pat, you know, Mr. Hendry is correct. This criminal justice system is geared for the criminals. It's not geared for, for what it used to be, you know, for your everyday John Q. citizen. It's geared for the criminals because they, they get the, the advantage of knowing nothing's going to happen to them when they commit these crimes. So he says, forget about it. D.A. Alvin Bragg will not reach out to other states and ask them to find that bus and send them back to New York. Uh, he went on to say something else about the two officers that were attacked. Uh, if you've seen the video, you saw a number of people ganging up on the officers. And Cardinale says he talked with some of the officers. And they are very hesitant to use a nightstick or any kind of other defensive weapons in a case like that because they know they will get charged by the district attorney for using too much force. Here he is with those thoughts. This would never happen in days of old, all right, because the cops would have the guts to get up there and they would have the backing of the city council to go out there and do their job. And we're not talking about cops going out of control. We're talking about giving them the indemnification they need to go out and do the job. They're afraid to use a nightstick. They're afraid to use mace because everything is going to be held against them. I spoke to some of the cops and they are, their hands are t literally tied. And they have to sit there and take a beating like this because they know the only thing that's going to show is if they take that, if they have the nightstick, take that nightstick out and use it, use the necessary force to affect that arrest, they're going to be prosecuted. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talk about that here uh, where we have had a DA that ran on I'm going after police. He has stuck to that promise and you can't help but wonder, and I don't think many of us would fault them for saying, I'm afraid to do anything. I will show up mm -hmm. and, and do my shift. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't want to be one of these officers because most likely it would be turned on you. And not. And as we saw, we don't care that those guys were here illegally and beating up police officers. We just let them go. Most of them are on a bus now, headed to California. 512-836-0590. It's Mark and Melinda, News Radio, KLBJ. And now back to the Mark and Melinda Show. Join the conversation at 512-836-0590. Hope you're having a good afternoon. Tigers here producing DailyMail.com has an exclusive story today about a New York father who's been in a years-long legal battle with his ex-wife over their son. Uh, the son was three when the ex-wife began treating him like a girl, dressing him as a girl, calling him by a girl's name, Ruby, and that triggered the legal fight that has cost the father $150,000 draining his retirement account. And the father has lost this legal fight in many ways, Melinda. And this has been going on for seven years. The court I ruled that he would have limited, if not just cut off completely, any decisions medically than when it comes to his son. Um, and to make at that all of that is bad but this is a prime example of how adults in young kids lives that are pushing this are the ones pushing this because this boy is now a little older 
and is not going as a girl. He is a boy. He says, I'm a boy. I've always been a boy. Uh, so this is the mom pushed this, yet the father has limited contact with his son because he said for two years or a year and a half, they were going to counseling and these counselors, not one of them ever diagnosed him with gender dysphoria, but told the father, if you stop these these counsel s- sessions or you ask any questions, we're going to make sure that you don't have custody of your kid. And he kept questioning the sessions and they followed through on their threat. Uh, and that led to him losing his custody of his son. Up to that point, he was paying the bill for all of these so-called therapists and counselors and so-called experts. And uh, they got back at him, reporting him. And in the end, he now has lost his custody of his son. Uh, It's so sad, and I feel for him. And this needs to be explored on the bigger uh, side of things. A year and a half, he said not one diagnosis of gender dysphoria. And then went on to say that the place that he was taking them to for the counseling, the therapist recommended a pediatrician over a 45 minute phone call, not even in person. That pediatrician said, yep, he sounds like that's gender dysphoria. We need to put him on puberty blockers as soon as he turns nine. The people who control medical licenses should be investigating that. That's horrendous. A 45-minute phone call, and then you reach that conclusion? And this is why we talked earlier this week about the parents here in Texas that are trying to get the law that was recently enacted dismissed, thrown out by the Texas Supreme Court because they think that they should be able to give their, their sons and daughters these puberty blockers at an early age. This is my big complaint these doctors aren't even putting in the time Mm -hmm. 45 minute not in person phone call and who who knows who else was on that phone call maybe suggesting what was being said did he even listen he just said oh yeah 45 minutes talking to this absolutely gender dysphoria it's time for the puberty blockers that should be outlawed there's no way you can figure that out in a 45 minute phone call no The father says he discovered the real truth about what was happening when he got a letter from his son's kindergarten addressed to the parent or or guardian of Ruby Rose Hannon. And it used she pronouns. Ruby Rose is the name the, the mom gave to the boy. Yeah, he said, I thought I got somebody else's, another kid in the class's male. Yes, And the father says, I was the last one to know all of this about the transition. They had my son on the fast track to puberty blockers and a full transition, even though there was no official diagnosis of gender dysphoria by a medical professional. And that triggered uh, more legal fights. Bottom line is he has now lost parental rights. He can't have any say in medical decisions when it comes to his own son. Uh, It's not right, and it really should be looked at if they are going to allow for these young kids to undergo this. It really needs to look at, because this is the second case that we've talked about where it has been a split family, divorce or, you know, trying to get divorce separated, 
and it is one parent pitting this child against the other. And in both cases, I know these children are confused because you've got one saying you're this, and then when they go to dad's house, and convenient enough, both of these cases, it was the dad that was actually fighting for the kid when the moms were the ones mm-hmm. pushing this. Yes. They go to dad's house and they never say anything about it. They, they're they never saying, I'm a girl, or even when they're bringing up, I'm paying for this counseling, Are you? is it helping you? Anything? They're not suggesting to the fathers that they're really going through this. I, it, uh, judges have to take that into consideration. Is this just parents pitting the child against each other you not go well oh yeah we're gonna sign off you should go ahead and get them whatever therapy you think and the father is alleging the mother was seeking out so-called gender affirming therapists who are predisposed to say yes your child has gender dysphoria we need to start doing x y and z yeah she said she'd take them to one therapist that didn't give her the answers she wanted so she would seek out till she found one that would 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion related to all of this. The Daily Caller is reporting today that the Biden administration is now providing over $200,000 to the University of Cincinnati. They want professors at the university to create a smartphone app. This app will train biological men to speak and sound like women if they're in the transition to identify as a woman and they want to sound female, they want the professors to come up with an app that will train men to speak and sound like women when they're speaking. One, how does this fall under the National Institute of Health? Two, why is this something that taxpayers would be funding? This to me sounds like if it's needed, It'll be created in the private sector. Well, the Biden administration says it is needed because reducing voice gender discrimination is important to their overall mental well-being. For example, uh, some of these guys retain a deep voice, and we want to help them be able to modify that in some way so people are not mocking them. They're going to be uh, recruiting 40 biological men who identify as transgender. They will be taking part in research at the University of Cincinnati. As professors develop this app, they'll be meeting every week, doing their homework, working on changing their voice, and fulfilling the, uh, the hopes of the professors in the Biden administration. Again, this is something, if it is truly needed... There is an outcry for it. There's enough need for it. Someone in the private sector would come up with it because they would see huge dollar signs. Oh, this is going to sell out. It's going to be a big hit, and they would come up with it. We don't need taxpayer money going to this. Also in the news today, the Washington Times says the federal government has convicted six pro-life activists of breaking a federal law interfering with people who were trying to get in and out of an abortion clinic in Tennessee. These pro-life activists each could get up to 10 and a half years in prison and fines of up to $260,000 each. This was a March 21 demonstration outside an abortion clinic in Tennessee. And that's uh, why the federal government has filed these charges against these protesters. 
The U.S. Attorney's Office in Tennessee says these people are being held accountable for unlawfully obstructing access to reproductive health services. And uh, the Justice Department will keep enforcing this federal law to protect the rights of those who are seeking abortion services. I, I, do, I don't agree with this in the sense that I saw the video. They were sitting outside the, the clinic. It, it actually looked like there was an indoor entrance into the clinic. They were sitting out in the hallway. They were praying at some times. They were singing hymns at other times. There's also video that showed you could walk up and down the hallway. You could get in and out of that clinic if you were wanting to. I'm sure it was very uncomfortable for anyone that was trying to get into that clinic, but they they weren't preventing them, and that was on video. This, to me, is... It's just wrong. One, 10 years in prison. This was one of the most peaceful. I'm talking, they were sitting cross-leg and praying. Hardly any words being mm-hmm. said. Very quiet mm-hmm. protest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and to say that that's 10 years in prison plus a very huge fine. When you talk about all of the protests that were going on outside the Supreme Court justices' home, how many were arrested? How many have been brought up on charges? Let's talk about other protests that actually destroyed property. How many were arrested? At least if you're going to do it, do it across the board evenly. And that's the point of Senator Mike Lee, Republican of Utah. He says the Department of Justice has brought zero charges in the 90 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers or houses of worship in the United States since the Supreme Court decision on abortion. He says he agrees with Melinda. Let's have equal treatment under the law here. It's a very one-sided enforcement. Well, that's definitely what this looks like when you can point to many other examples that have happened and nothing has come out of those. Uh, Jim is with us on KLBJ. Welcome aboard, Jim. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Good show as usual. Thank you, Jim. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, this is just another parallel to J6. Uh, it's ex- extreme punishment for the uh, <clears throat> crime, whatever, committed, which is virtually not non-existent. Uh, what you have is you have Democrat-run operations, and they feel they might lose a little money if some people don't go in there and get an abortion because guess how much money is made off of aborted fetuses. You would not even in your wildest imaginations understand how much money is being lost when somebody decides, you know what, it might be better I did it, I do not get an abortion. And these people are being overly punished for nothing. Everybody knows it. And since you have a corrupt judicial system, guess what you get? Just like we have with J6. Jim, thank you, sir. Have a good one. We'll work in more of your comments right after the news, which is next right here on KLBJ. Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. Spinal stimulation is an implantable device consisting of two tiny wires connected to a battery that are placed alongside the spine. These wires emit a tiny electronic signal that blocks the pain signal that travels on nerves. Advanced Pain Care. 
512-244-4272 or online austinpayingdoctor.com.